When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to The Tent. I'm Scott Feldman, your host, and today we're going to continue our conversations about the uh, tinted, obscure, perhaps murky world of aquarium keeping, uh, looking at things from a little bit of a different angle, blurring the lines between nature and the aquarium. It's what we're all about here at Ten and Aquatics. It's what this blog in itself is all about. And I hope you get some really good information or some inspiration from these uh, discussions that we'll have. And as always, thank you for the many nice comments we've received and looking forward to uh, hearing your suggestions and, and uh, uh, feedback on our, on our podcasts and uh, hope that uh, you'll continue to provide that for us so we can just make this better and better for you. Today, I, I want to talk about some, uh, some uh, thoughts that I've had uh, sort of of late. These are things that have come to me over, over many years and it's the more I work with this botanical stuff and the more I see your work, the more I look at natural habitats, the more I'm starting to see uh, some clarity of like where I want this, you know, where I want my hobby work to go. Um, I've been spending an awful lot of time lately looking at videos and images of the wild aquatic habitats. Those inspire me so much. And I'm thinking that we're at a real kind of inflection point in our little sector of the hobby. We're past the point of simply seeing if this botanical stuff works and now we're kind of into the next level of uh, botanical style aquarium practice, if you will. Now, to me, it's really about working on aspects of replicating the wild systems from where our fishes come. Uh, personally, I'm ready for this. My next set of aquariums is going to be even, you know, set up a little differently. Uh, they'll even more fully embrace the concept of what we call functional aesthetics, which we talk about so much. That being things look and function more like nature. So it's not just coining the word nature or appropriating the word nature as some parts of the hobby have done, uh, but actually looking at nature, uh, how it works, utilizing materials from nature and allowing it to be a sort of an unedited uh, interpretation of nature. I feel like I and you, by extension, have made uh, quite a few moves over the past couple of years in different directions that have given us collectively the skills and experience necessary to sort of put it all together and move further out into more unique aquarium directions. For example, I'm very, very into studying the substrate materials which accumulate in, the, in these wild habitats that, that we talk about so much. They're substantially different than those that we used in the aquarium hobby for, you know, for generations. The gravels and sands that we use, don't get me wrong, they're fantastic and they facilitate function and ease of maintenance for the widest variety of aquarists. However, many of them, if you really think about it, bear little resemblance to the substrate materials or the substrate compositions that are found in the wild habitats that we often attempt to replicate. Yes, there are places with sand, there are places with gravel and, and so on. So I can't say that that's, that's an impossibility. My point is that in some of the more unique habitats that we are fascinated by, for example, in the flooded forests of South America, the Varzea, which are known as the name for a flooded whitewater forest or the Igapa, which is a flooded blackwater forest, the substrates are unique. Uh, the Varzea soils are lighter, more soil-like, more nutrient-dense substrates, a lot like 
what you would come to see or come to expect from a rich, you know, forest. In the uh, and and in the uh, uh, these forests, you'll find um, a higher soil to sand ratio. In other words, there's minor amounts of sand and lots of minerals like montmorillonite, which is a uh, a common um, substance found in uh, in the Andes. Uh, they have higher water retention capacity. So it's, a, it's an interesting kind of a soil. The agapo, on the other hand, is a much more lower nutrient, almost clay-like and more acetic substrate material. It's mi- mixed with fine white sand, which is generally pure quartz, and it has a much higher sand to soil ratio than a varzea, and it tends to desiccate more quickly in the dry season. It's an interesting thought. The other interesting thing about these natural substrates is that they accumulate leaf litter differently. The varzea, which is based largely on the vegetation, which is dominant in, in these habitats, tend to have a greater leaf drop, which is processed and decomposed quickly. The leaves are larger and tend to be from more deciduous trees. Nutrient-poor, low-productivity uh, low uh, vegetation like palms, sedges, and submersed aquatic macrophytes form the basis of the botanical influence in the agapo. And the leaves that accumulate there tend to be small, scleromorphic, which means they're skeletal, and decompose much more slowly, often remaining less decomposed for extended periods of time, potentially even years. And that's very interesting to me. So without giving you every detail on these habitats, which we'll undoubtedly discuss to the point where you can't handle it anymore in future installments, suffice it to say that if you do your homework and read up on these distinct environments, you could utilize specific materials from, you know, our collection or, or things that you obtain elsewhere to replicate both the form and function of them in the aquarium. Now, what does this all mean? To me, it means that my next aquariums are going to be much more authentic representations of these habitats in terms of both form and function. I think they're going to start bearing less resemblance to the biotopic replications I've done previously. I mean, they'll have some aspects, the darker, not crystal clear water and the heavy influence of botanicals, that kind of thing. However, I think they're going to also have a much more, God, I hate this word, but can't think of a better one, more dirty looking, siltier substrates, more habitat specific leaves and and, and accumulations of botanicals. Um, The resemblance to the natural habitats that they, you know, prefer to represent will be much greater from both an appearance and a functionality standpoint. And I think the use of significantly different natural materials within the aquarium is going to, you know, it's going to require some slightly different approaches to maintenance and husbandry. The water is always likely going to have a sort of a patina or haziness to it. Substrate's never going to be perfectly settled and manicured in appearance. Uh, Materials may be disturbed by the fishes and the water movement will have to be carefully applied um, to number one, to to more faithfully resemble the natural habitats. And number two, to avoid having the substrate and botanicals in constant movement throughout the tank. On the other hand, um, some of the the process borrows from the, the, the... dirted aquarium concept that the uh, that the planted community uses you don't necessarily want to disturb the lower layers of, of a dirted type substrate and I would think that it's going to be the same long term for our you know our use of these materials in our biotope aquariums you're probably not going to want to disturb them too much with the exception of the disturbances that the fishes cause in their natural foraging activities and so forth so these I hate to call them this, but I guess that's the best term for them. These next level aquariums, they're not going to be loved by everybody. 
They're going to challenge the aesthetic sensibilities and the husbandry concerns of probably a couple of generations of really hardcore aquarists and definitely aquascapers. They'll require mental shifts beyond those what we've asked you to make previously, you know, the dark water, the decomposition, etc. To those who get it, they'll make perfect sense. They'll challenge you, they'll make you question your decisions, yet if you really love the idea, I think you'll be pretty excited. Yeah, these aquariums are going to be different. They're going to more faithfully represent these natural habitats that we admire so much in both form and function. The benefits besides just seeing a totally different look will be the opportunity to more carefully look at the whole picture. You know, water conditions, substrate composition, botanical materials, and appropriate fish selections. And from these observations and challenges, undoubtedly will come some more insights into how and why fishes live in these unique habitats and what behaviors are fostered as a result. And yeah, of course, as a company, I'm going to source and release some new materials that will hopefully make it easier for everybody to give it a try real soon. We're into what I call the blurring of the lines between nature and aquarium. It's already underway. We've been doing this for a long time. We've come pretty far. They're challenging ourselves as a community, and now we're definitely ready to move to a next level of natural botanical-style aquariums. The canvas is blank. The opportunities are there. The wild habitats are calling. There's tons of resources to research this information. A lot of interesting, interesting field work has been done that you can study and draw from. And I think the, the potential for great accomplishments is just huge. I'm kind of excited about this. It's emerging of many different aspects of our approach, the further refining of our practices, and borrowing from other parts of the aquarium hobby. Again, the planted aquariums, uh, even the reef aquariums uh, and, and other areas that maybe we haven't considered. So it's a really exciting time. Um, we'll have a lot more to say about this in coming months, and I'm sure we'll see a lot more unique stuff happening. So we're excited. I hope you are too. I want you to stay excited. I want you to stay inspired, stay observant, stay creative, and stay undaunted in the face of some of the criticism you're bound to get when you start playing with mud and dirt and silt and all that kind of stuff. And always, always, always stay wet. Till next time, this is Scott Fellman. I look forward to hearing from you if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions. And we look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.